Blog Talk Radio. Listeners, welcome to Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. And I'm your host for the show, Trish Robichaux, disability inclusion coach, author, facilitator, and motivational speaker, a woman with a disability, but definitely not a disabled woman. The Access Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 11.30 Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com, or you can listen to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes if that's how you roll. The show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money to comply. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. And on that note, I'd like to introduce you to my guest this week, Sunny Brar. Sunny comes to us with over 14 years of retail, human resources, health, safety, energy, and environment experience. He's currently the Vice President of Member Programs and Services at the Retail Council of Canada, also known as RCC. He's also an honors graduate of Criminology, Justice, and Public Safety from Manitoba. Along with other functions, Sunny leads and supports RCC's HR, Health, Safety, Energy, AODA Compliance, Accessibility, and Member Programs, as well as supporting multiple RCC committees. And lastly, he also sits on the Workplace Safety and Prevention Services Health and Safety Steering Committee, and Canada's Retail Health and Safety Committee. Sonny has also had great successes in his tenure, has been a recipient of three Provincial Excellence Awards with Maple Leaf Foods and Toys R Us, along with several H&S successes with his tenure at Sobeys and Ikea. Welcome, Sonny. I'm glad to be here and thank you very much for having me again. This is great. Let's talk a wee bit first about what the Retail Council of Canada is and what they do. Sure. So at um, Retail Council of Canada is, in a nutshell, an advocate and the voice of retail. Um, started back in 1963, uh, they all started to ensure that retailers had a voice when it came to governing policies that were coming down the pipeline. Um, currently now, RCC supports over 45,000 retail storefronts, um, basically any medium to large and small retailer that you can think of. Um, um, is part of the RCC community. Our job is to ensure that we support, the, like I said, the retail community. We are the voice. So if laws, policies, procedures, accessibility, if anything's coming through the pipeline, our job is to ensure that our retailers are set up for success. They know of anything that's coming down the pipeline that can affect their business from positively or negatively, um, and then making sure we're there to support them. That can be anything with health, safety, could be with HR, government advocacy, um, or any support that you may need when it comes to retail. It's good to know that there's a resource there for mom and pop shops that don't have a lot of resources to invest in HR initiatives and whatnot, right? That's a great point, Trish. Uh, You're absolutely correct. The larger retailers, you know, most of them do have an HR or human resources team with a full structure. 
um, some uh, independent retailers, like we like to call them, or small retailers who have a small payroll, might even have like eight or six, uh, eight, six, ten employees, but usually under ten employees under their payroll, uh, don't really have an HR uh, or human resources department that they can lean to. So we at RCC, um, uh, them being a member, they're right away um, are, are privileged to have that information, and we support that. So if you have any information on Sunny, uh, we have someone um, who we are suspecting theft on. How do I legally approach that? Uh, mm -hmm. We have someone who has come up to me with a mental health issue. How do I, what are my legal rights and what can I say and what can I, what can I not say? Harassment right. issues. Unfortunately, these situations, um, we don't like when they happen, but our job is to make sure we support and guide our retailers. And the comment that you made earlier, Trish, with independence is to support them and guide them and give them the resources they need. Mm -hmm. Now let's get into what AODA initiatives the RCCs provided for the members. I understand there's an enabling retail workshop and webinar series going on. Can you tell us about that, Sonny? Absolutely, I can. So yeah, so uh, just to back up before I get into that, indeed, yes, we are firstly very proud to work with the Accessibility Directorate of Ontario. So for those of you that are listening today, um, a, also known as ADO, um, the Accessibility Director of Ontario is the mandate governing body that actually um, establishes and implements the policies and procedures that every employer has to comply by. So we're very fortunate and grateful to have a partnership with the actual governing body who is ensuring that employers uh, uh, ensure that they're following these rules and most importantly respecting any individual um, uh, that has a disability. Um, our partnership is of two formats. One is we're doing five webinars. Um, with the ADO, so um, um, those webinars were really focused on compliance, um, and then we're having workshops. Um, for those of you on the on listening in today, um, should know that this year, uh, by December 31st, 2017, um, every sector. So it doesn't matter if you're public, private, or non-for-profit, you must submit an AODA compliance report by December 31st, in 2017 if you employ one or more workers in Ontario. And our focus with this workshop to answer your question is really coaching and advising employers on where they should be and how they should be complying. It's very simple to the government. Um, what the government has already explained to us, and I think it's important for your listeners, Trish, is you have to comply by all the areas that they've asked. And basically, mm -hmm. if you are non-compliant on one or more, you get put into a red flag area with the government of Ontario, who will then, if you are flagged in the system of being non-compliant from your reporting, they will follow up with you. This workshop, to answer your question in a nutshell, is really focusing on us coaching and educating the employers, first and foremost, what those compliance items are, and then secondly, how to comply. I understand you have a workshop coming up on the 29th? Yes, ma'am. RCC offices? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the workshop that we have on the 29th is actually uh, two parts. We have one starting at 9 and ending at 11.30. We have another one in the afternoon starting at 1 and ending at 3.30. Uh, we will have 25 uh, representatives, all from different sectors, so independent, medium, or large, uh, in the morning. And then the afternoon will be the same session, just with different employers. So the training session itself is about two and a half, three hours. But given the demand that we had from the retailers who want to join, Instead of keeping it one half day, we broke it up into two half days. Very good. Very good. So tell me, Sonny, from your experience and that of your members, 
What are the most common barriers people encounter when shopping and what are retailers doing about them? That's a great question, Trish. Uh, Trisha, it, it, what it comes down to, Trish, is really two things. Um, there's a training aspect to barriers and then there's an actual physical, physical aspect when it comes to barriers. So I'll talk to the physical aspect first. Okay. Um, the challenges that some retailers are having with the physical accessibility is, is in a nutshell ensuring that anybody who comes in with a disability has the same experience from anyone who doesn't have a disability. Um, my, my logic and RCC's logic is simple. No matter who comes into your establishment, everyone has the right to have the same experience. So may that be with accessible ramps going into your entrance, being able to go into your store, maybe push, par, push bars in your washrooms, showing the respect for persons with disability. The other part is training. Uh, we're really in, ensuring that in the onboarding process when retailers hire anyone before they even commence their first working shift that they are trained so as much as they're training them on code of conduct their uh, absenteeism policies their substance abuse policies that accessibility and EODA is also trained on how to deal with service animals how to deal with a customer or how to deal with a situation if you're in a mall and your elevator is not working so really our main focus is educating and sharing best practices from other retailers at the end of the day to ensure there's no barrier when it comes to accessibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from my experience as a person with a mobility impairment, not being able to maneuver between racks of clothing with my walker is a definite problem. Then there's, right. the, then there's the change rooms. If, if there's no extra large accessible room in the store, I can't try those clothes on. And mm -hmm. And for a person with a disability, clothes shopping can be uh, very, very onerous. And for, for example, for myself, just um, mm -hmm. I'm pointing out another systemic barrier in retail. Um, when I go to buy clothes, I buy like two sizes in everything. Okay, because right. I can't I, all right, I I can't really fully fit clothes in a in a in a tiny dressing room you know in a in a in a retail space so i have to take those clothes clothes home to try them on to you know so then i end up bringing back half of them um right. and then of course the retailer doesn't want me doing business there because they don't want to take back these clothes all the time but right unfortunately it's it's you know in some situations it's really physically impossible for me to try those clothes and be sure about them before i leave the store you know what that's a great point and firstly thank you for sharing your personal experience but it's unfortunate uh that you went through that and, and i and i as much as i don't like seeing the next comment i'm going to make um there are unfortunately still retailers out there um where other customers feel what you felt mm -hmm. um you know it's not fair it forces you, I'll use your example, to go back home, try on those clothes um, because of an accommodation that wasn't available for you. And then you come back and then, you know, someone may not fit your liking, may not fit the way you want it to fit, and then you return it. So that's one aspect is, first of all, the negative experience that you, Trish, as a person felt. The second part, even from a business model, um, this is never the motivation. But keep in mind that if you are a retail store, definitely one of your goals is to make sure your customers are happy and if your customers aren't happy you never had a happy experience so that will negatively affect your bottom line again that shouldn't be your motivation which is something you should think about that in a sense you are losing a customer 
I, well, and that's completely true because most of the time I shop online because right, right. there's no benefit to going into a store, right? Um, for me, there's no benefit to that physical experience, right? Right, right. So, yeah, so I, so, so, and of course, most of the time I end up spending my money in U.S. stores because, you know, they have more online available. But, um, yeah, it's it's um, it's been something that I've struggled with, you know. And as my disabilities progressed, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it becomes more and more obvious to me that um, mm -hmm. yeah. So so as things change, it will become more and more obvious to me as things change. Right. Um, oh, and that's a great point. It's it's something that retailers, uh, you know, need to be aware of and. And you know what? As much as I I I don't like hearing your comment about shopping in the U.S., you're being honest, and you're right. And how many more trishes, you know, are are out there where, due to a negative negative experience, you are now forcing me to shop outside my country? Ultimately, totally. And ultimately, m the buying decisions of my family are based on my experience. So I not only influence my own buying but I influence the buying of family members all around me because you right, hear, right. they hear about my experience, right? They yeah, hear, absolutely. Um, absolutely. When, uh, when I do, when I do uh, AODA training, I tell my trainees that by not accommodating people with disabilities, you may as well stand at the front door of your store and turn away every seventh person because that's how many right. disabilities there are in this country. But how beneficial is your bottom line gonna be if you're turning away 18% uh, of your net net growth or your gross sales every day, right? And, and that's huge and I, I love that uh, metric that you just gave, like that's true. Almost one fifth of your sales exactly. uh, are being turned around, right? And how ridiculous. How ridiculous would it be for that storekeeper to stand there and say, no, I'm not serving you, every fifth person? Yeah, obviously that's ridiculous is the right word and, and it's, it's, uh, should not be the, it should not be that way. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, it's all about making sure that you let everyone have the same customer experience. It shouldn't matter if you have a disability or not, everyone should have the same customer experience. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break right now, Sunny, and then Perfect. we're going to come back and... Uh, we're going to chat some more. Perfect. Thank you. Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job. He's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a changing paces, warm, and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today. And we're back. 
I understand, Sunny, that you've had past experience where you were involved in an accessibility incident that started out very difficult, but ended up being mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for growth. Can you share that right. with us? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're correct. Um, unfortunately, I did have a negative experience. So uh, it started off me actually being at a retail establishment, a very large retail establishment, a well-known establishment um, where I was shopping. And um, as I was uh, going into the store, um, I observed a woman uh, who came in um, and had a, had a service dog. Um, the woman also had a cane um, which also came across as, okay, she's visually impaired, but then that dog that she has is obviously a service dog. Um, right. at, first, uh, I, at first, I observed her, looked, and this establishment had a greeter at the door. And more out of curiosity, Trish, to be very honest with you, I really wanted to see what the associate would do and how she would handle that situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, like you said earlier, it was a negative experience. The, uh, the associate who clearly was not trained and well-versed in IOTA, uh, unfortunately mm -hmm. took a negative approach. And the first thing, uh, you know, it's interesting, her title, the, the, the associate is greeter. She did not even greet the woman. She very politely, I will give her that. She was very nice, but she did say to the woman with the disability who came in with a service dog that uh, unfortunately we do not allow a dog in our facility. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, what was even more astonishing is the many customers heard her say that and they started you know quote unquote having her back and were like how right. dare you speak to her like this and then even more interesting because we live in the world of cell phones today about 10 cell phones popped up and everyone's recording this confrontation yeah. uh, with this greeter and this woman and defending this woman saying how dare you tell her she could not allow a service dog we live in a country and in the province of ontario where this is legally acceptable and it really got escalated. The interesting part of that, Trish, and just before I wrap up the, the, the experience, was that the woman herself that had the disability wasn't really um, vocal on her negative experience, but, the, but her, the customers around her were, and they were really upset on how the situation was handled. Anyways, to respect the time for our listeners today, long story short, uh, the manager, store manager came out um, you know, quickly took an assessment of the uh, situation, profusely apologized and said, absolutely, she is allowed uh, to speak uh, or she is allowed to shop. And at that point, he did speak to the, uh, the individual, took her to the side and said, hey, we need to make sure that we, uh, we retrain you on AODA. And, I, and me just being the person that I am, and since I come from that background, and as you mentioned in my bio, I've been fortunate to work for four large retailer, big box companies like Ikea, Toys R Us. Obies and Maple Leaf Foods, um, I just reiterated to the manager to make sure that they do consistent training. I don't want to make this a long-winded answer. I'll end this here. Um, from my experience, I have noticed that some employers will train because they have to train. It's law. And when a worker joins a company, they'll get trained on health and safety, fire evacuations, code of ethics, code of conduct, um, absenteeism policy, substance abuse policy, and AOTA. It's a lot of information to take. Yeah. But you have to keep in mind the job of the employer is to reiterate that training and not just have it done once a year, but to keep the worker refreshed and the employee refreshed. So when situations like this arise, they know how to handle them. Very well put. Very well put. And as I recall, you also have a really positive story of accommodation to share with us. I do. Uh, and thank you. Yes. Uh, on the flip side, I've also had 
a very positive experience, which is a good segue into my next piece, um, where I actually witnessed a customer, uh, again, who was uh, vision impaired, um, but the, you know, I observed this associate and uh, this was a, 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 a gentleman and um, he came and he, I asked the customer, hey, how are you doing? Can I help you? And the customer with a disability said, absolutely. Do you mind shopping with me? And I, at that moment, didn't know what the associate was going to respond, yay or nay. Um, and so astonished, so humbled, so amazing to see this associate who is a younger associate who you can, who's very new to the retail world, um, um, went uh, and, and the whole shopping experience uh, was amazing for the person with a disability. He walked with her, read out loud the price of the item, um, allowed her to touch and feel the product. Nice. I was so amazed. Yeah, I actually, you know, even speaking to you about it right now, I, I get this tingly feeling because yeah, yeah. it's like such a great example of humanity. And uh, it was a great experience. Well, and you know, this is just one other example of how an attitude of accommodation benefits everyone. Not just not just the person who got the, the the shopping guide that day. Of course, that was awesome, amazing customer support. But the the customer service rep that provided that, I'll bet he was walking on on cloud nine all day too. <laughs> I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, that's awesome. Very very good. So, tell me, what do you see as, as I don't know, maybe a, um, a timeline per se, um, in terms of how long it may take us to get retail to be accessible? I'm not asking you to project 20 years, 30 years. I'm just saying it seems retail seems to take longer than mm -hmm. other industries like other sectors you know what i mean no it, that's a great great question what yeah, do you have to answer that sir. yeah no it is and i and i and i appreciate you making that last comment of not asking for a projection uh because you know it would be hard to predict i i, I think with my I, I would how i would answer that is through my experience there, there's two folds there's the pre-existing buildings right and then there's the, the the new buildings that are opening up. So let's talk about the pre-existing buildings. Okay. Here you have old buildings that have been made in 1975, 1980, where accessibility, unfortunately, was not considered in the blueprint stages. Right. And and for those uh, companies to now retrofit, a retrofit, and go back um, to make them accessible, uh, even it, it is the right thing to do, but to be very transparent is also costly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the second piece is the the retailers that are opening up new stores or going through renovation. And where I'm going with this is again coming from my background, I would highly encourage any anyone who's listening today who is with any retailer establishment is you know get into the blueprint stages. And what I mean by that is if you have a new store that's opening up or you're doing renovations in a new store, uh, that is your opportunity to make sure or when it comes to physical barriers that you have these accessibility initiatives in place. But to answer your, now those older buildings will be difficult, but to answer your question, 
yeah, I respect the fact that you're saying, Sonny, don't give me a timeline. I don't need a year. I'm not going to hear to say 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if, if I had to predict, um, I would say, um, again, with the support of the government, um, I, 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 would, I would say in the next four to five years, um, retailers already, I can tell you right now, retailers are definitely paying attention to this. Um, but I would hope, and, and if, and if, you know, and again, I respect that you said, Sonny, I'm looking for prediction, but just through experience and speaking, you know, the ADO is very big on the year 2025. They right. are last yeah. week. Um, I'm sure you've heard of this too, um, making, making Ontario fully accessible and then, and then Canada, because right now just provincially mandated and what I would love to see um, is for this to be federally mandated where no matter which province of Canada you're in, and it should be, right. why is it just Ontario? Right. Um, that, you know, but, but to answer your question, not Trish, you know, I, I, I'm hesitant to say 2025 um, because to me, that is a very long time. And to me, it should be now. Right. Um, there yeah, should be no reason. Right. So it, I'm, we at Retail Council of Canada are, are very big on respect. And I know you and I spoke about that before we had this call. And in my opinion, um, if you are not accommodating people with disabilities you are disrespecting that customer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just as if you were standing at the front door turn somebody away just arbitrarily I, great 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 reference yeah exactly the same same fashion and and you know and i respect it that you actually had the cojones enough to give me four or five years as a ballpark you know, I think I think that four or five years can do a lot. Yeah, because there are all kinds of free resources out there. And I know that RCC, you guys have an amazing uh, uh, collection of resources you've put together on your website as well to, uh, to show um, retail, you know, stores and, and whatnot so that they can find the structure they need to to do to be and to become compliant. So what do you think, tell me, what do you think as a society can be kept in mind on a daily basis to minimize barriers to accessibility on a general level? Yeah, that's a great question, Trish. And, you know, again, I, I don't want to sound um, cliche, uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, again, being very honest and transparent is put yourself in a person with disability shoes, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know, the ensure that what you are implementing, you know, doesn't make sense. Um, the one thing that I find really interesting that some employers, and we'll talk about retailers here, um, will implement something um, without doing a test. Um, so what I mean by that is if you're going to implement a, you know, a something physical, or if you're going to implement a training practice, um, how about you actually speak to people with disabilities? And mm-hmm. have them give your feedback before you do a large investment. Um, right. The comment that you made earlier about large changing rooms and uh, and not having access in the aisles and racks, I, I really appreciate that comment, Trish. So, so if someone who's listening now or or, or ever whoever's implementing says, you know what, we have to make sure that our aisles are wide enough for people with disabilities, i.e., being in a wheelchair, have access to it. Changing rooms, making them large. They come up with a size with the metrics and measurements of what these aisles and clearance should be and what the size of the changing room should be. That's all great. But how about you actually bring a person with a disability or speak to people and ask them? 
I think the area of opportunity, which I think the area of opportunity, which is a fancy word for weakness, uh, I think the area of opportunity for employers <laughs> and where they're where where they can where they can be more successful is don't just implement the policy because it makes sense. Actually, use the real people to give you the feedback. Perfect. That is so 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 perfect. Thank you, Sunny. That's really great. Um, do you, if any of our listeners want to get hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. We you know we are Retail Council of Canada are here to support uh, the retail community. So if you have any questions, you know, feel free to call me. Uh, my phone number it's toll free. So no matter where you are based, um, so with a phone number, I'll say it's low is one triple eight three seven three eight two four five. Again, one triple eight three seven three eight two four five and my extension is two three zero um you can just call the retail head office and ask for sunny i am the only sunny in the organization so they will forward it to me and anything that i can do to assist um i will be there for you fabulous thanks so much sunny thank you very much for joining me today oh thank you for having me and thank you to our listeners so much for joining us for today's episode of access talk with trish a 30-minute weekly online radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our community. Join us again next week on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, folks. Take self-care seriously and God bless.